talking about security and peaceful development in every nation. Of course, we'll be giving you a short uh, a minute clip now, just approximately 11 minutes. This one is coming in from uh, Dr. Sarah Kuchesfahani. He's the director of N-Square DC Hub USA. Of course, our focus is going to be on international organization and duties towards nuclear safety and security. Stay tuned. Happy listening. Don't go away. When we return, we also have uh, a colleague right in the studio talking about the person of Mbaz or Jeremiah, he's the president of Nigeria Young Generation in Nuclear Host AfriNuke Podcast. On today's episode, it's going to be informative, educative, and entertaining. Stay tuned, don't go away. My name is Sarah Kuchesfahani, and I am the director of the N Square DC Hub. N-Square is a funders collaborative that was created in 2014 to introduce innovation and creative thinking into the nuclear risk reduction space. I am also a columnist for the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. While I am British, I am based in Washington, D.C. I have over 17 years of professional and academic experience in the fields of nuclear non-proliferation and nuclear security, and I have held research, analysis, teaching, and managerial positions at a variety of organizations, including at a National Nuclear Weapons Laboratory, a non-governmental organization, a university, and at various think tanks around the world, primarily here in the United States and across Europe. I am truly delighted to be here with you today. The AfriNuke producers have asked me to talk about international organizations that deal with nuclear security. So what I want to do on this podcast is to briefly outline why international organizations are necessary, what international organizations exist in the nuclear security space, what impacts they have made, and a call to action for all the listeners out there. So to begin, let me take a few minutes to explain why I think international organizations are important. The role of international organizations is to help set the international agenda, mediate political bargaining, provide a place for political initiatives, and act as catalysts for the coalition formation. In short, they facilitate cooperation and coordination among member states. They are primarily made up of member states who agree to join truly through a voluntary basis. They can help promote international peace and security and, of course, international cooperation. Think of it as making the whole world a small global village, if you will. The most famous example of an international organization is the United Nations, the world's only truly universal global organization with membership of 193 countries. The UN aims to maintain international peace and security, develop friendly relations among nations, achieve international cooperation, and be a central focal point for harmonizing the actions of nations. There are, of course, regional organizations, which are quite like international organizations as they incorporate international membership. However, their membership is characterized by boundaries and demarcations characteristic to a defined and unique region or geography, such as continents. They have been established to foster cooperation and political and economic integration or dialogue among states or entities within a restrictive geographical boundary. 
Typically, regional organizations work alongside international organizations like the UN. Some examples of regional organizations include the African Union, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, and of course, the European Union. So in short, international organizations are really important to facilitate cooperation and coordination among member nations. Moving on to what international organizations exist in the nuclear security space, I want to focus primarily on the International Atomic Energy Agency, also known as the IAEA. Based in Vienna, Austria, the IAEA is an international organization that seeks to promote the peaceful use of nuclear energy and to inhibit its use for any military purpose, including nuclear weapons. It was founded in 1957 and today boasts 173 member states, which is about 90% of the world's sovereign states. The IAEA is the world's central intergovernmental forum for scientific and technical cooperation in the nuclear field. It works for the safe, secure, and peaceful uses of nuclear science and technology, contributing to international peace and security and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. I want to spend a few minutes discussing how the IAEA was created, as its history is quite fascinating. The creation of the IAEA was facilitated by U.S. President Dwight D. Eisenhower's Atoms for Peace program, which he launched in 1953, eight years after the destructive bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Atoms for Peace promoted the peaceful uses of nuclear energy and fostered technical cooperation between the United States and non-nuclear weapon states. Eisenhower's Atoms for Peace proposal outlined the creation of an international atomic energy agency. In his proposal, Eisenhower mentioned that his new, new that this new agency would one be under the auspices of the United Nations, two be responsible for the management of nuclear material, three promote the peaceful applications of nuclear energy, and four verify the peaceful use of nuclear material. Essentially, these are all at the heart of the IAEA's three missions, which include, number one, the peaceful uses of nuclear energy, number two, nuclear safety, and number three, safeguards, which are a system of inspection and verification of the peaceful uses of nuclear materials, which basically ensures that these nuclear materials are being used exclusively for peaceful uses of nuclear energy and not for the development of nuclear weapons. So, as I mentioned, the IAEA is an international organization that seeks to promote the peaceful use of nuclear energy and to prevent its use for any military purpose, including nuclear weapons. I'd now like to run through who has headed the agency since its creation. Since its inception, we have seen six director generals, all of whom have been men, but from various parts of the world. The first director general from 1957 to 1961 was Sterling Cole, an American congressman who served as the chairman of the Joint Committee on, on Atomic Energy of the U.S. Congress. He was the first and the only director general from a nuclear weapon state. In fact, every director general since Cole has come from a non-nuclear weapon state, which I believe is the mandate of the agency. 
After Starling Call, we saw Dr. Sigvard Eklund, a Swede. He was a distinguished Swedish scientist and was first appointed the IAEA Director General in 1961. And he held that position for 20 consecutive years until he retired and was named Director General Emeritus. During his tenure, the main scientific and technical programs, including research, supporting research and analytical laboratories, were established and developed. Next up, we saw Dr. Hans Blix, another Swede, who was the Director General from 1981 to 1997. Dr. Blix guided the agency through the Chernobyl disaster, revelations of a clandestine nuclear weapons program in Iraq, and the North Korean safeguards violations. Under Blix's direction, the framework for strengthened safeguards was established, and the international legal regime for nuclear energy was bolstered. Then we saw an Egyptian, Dr. Mohamed Al-Baradei, who served as the Director General from 1997 to 2009. And in fact, under his directorship, he and the IAEA were awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. We then had a Japanese Director General, the late Yukiya Amano from 2009 to 2019, who had extensive experience in disarmament and non-proliferation diplomacy, as well as nuclear energy issues. Currently, the IAEA Director General is a seasoned Argentinian diplomat, Rafael Grossi. So my first call to action is, when might we see a female IAEA Director General? How great would it be to see an African Director General of the IAEA or even a Nigerian female Director General? Now that is the dream. Over the years, the IAEA has done and continues to do a lot of good in terms of nuclear safety and security. I think we would need an entire podcast series to document them all, but in the interest of time, let me focus on a few, recognizing that there are many, many more. Over the years, it has strengthened its safeguards inspection regime. In other words, it has strengthened its system of inspection and verification of the peaceful uses of nuclear materials. The IAEA employs around 400 designated inspectors from around 80 countries. Because of the specialized skills required to do the job, mostly physicists, chemists, and engineers have been recruited as inspectors. The IAEA continues to verify and monitor the implementation by Iran of its nuclear-related commitments under the 2015 Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, also known as the Iran Nuclear Deal, and reported developments quarterly to the IAEA Board of Governors. During 2020, the IAEA interacted with Iran to clarify information relating to the correctness and completeness of Iran's declarations under its safeguards agreement and additional protocol, and this still continues continues today. And finally, last year, a first group of 100 female students from around the world were awarded fellowships under a new IAEA initiative, the Marie Curie Fellowship Program, to help close the gender gap in nuclear science and technology. So any female students out there listening, please check out this opportunity. By the way, that was call to action item number two. I also want to share that the agency has been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. In 2005, the IAEA and its Director General at the time, Dr. Mohamed Al-Baradei, were awarded the Peace Prize for their work for a safer and more peaceful world. The committee honored the IAEA and its leader for their efforts to prevent nuclear energy from being used for military purposes and to ensure that nuclear energy for peaceful purposes is used in the safest possible way.
My last call to action would be the following. The IAEA is always encouraging applications from qualified women and candidates from developing countries. So if anything I said appeal to you and you want to try and make a difference in international security, please take a look at the current IAEA vacancies, especially if you are a woman and or you come from a developing country. Thank you so much for your attention. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and I'm really looking forward to your questions. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for that uh, wonderful conversation. You just listened to Dr. Sarah Kuchesfahani, Director N Square DC Hub US. Okay, we're looking at live on the Zoom conversation right now. Good afternoon from our end over here. How are you doing, Doctor? I'm cool and calm over here right in Nigeria. How is uh, Washington, D.C.? Washington, D.C. is actually really nice today. Thank you for asking. It's a very uh, cool morning. So thank you for asking. How's everything going in Nigeria? Peacefully, cool and calm. Nice. All right. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, the president, I would like to ask, most African countries don't have nuclear weapons which I know there is no need or no reason to acquire it. What is being done to prevent its acquisition over here in Africa? Well, as you said, um, many African countries, or all, none of the African countries have nuclear weapons. Um, the only African nation that did have nuclear weapons was South Africa. Okay. They had nuclear weapons um, in the, I think it was like the late 70s or 80s, but they gave them up when the uh, apartheid government was coming to an end. Um, and right now, the African continent is um, a what's called a nuclear weapon-free zone, hmm. which essentially means none of the countries in Africa have uh, obviously have nuclear weapons, but it also means the countries that do have nuclear weapons won't ever use this continent of Africa as a place to store or test or even use their nuclear weapons. So Africa, through the Treaty of Pelindaba, as I said, has what's called a nuclear weapon-free zone, which essentially guarantees and ensures the fact that it's a non-nuclear weapon continent, which is a really, really, really great thing. Okay, uh, presently we're aware that uh, nuclear safety, nuclear security aims to protect people, property, society and the environment from harmful effects of ionizing radiation. What can you say in regards to the safety and prevention? So, um, I'm not an expert on ionizing radiation, okay. so um, there are experts, um, I'm, I'm, my podcast kind of alluded to the International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA, who have a ton of protocols, who have a lot of technical guidance as far as nuclear safety practices and procedures are concerned. So, I'm not a nuclear safety expert, I'm a little bit better um, versed in nuclear security, so I'm sorry about that. Okay, from our own end right here in Nigeria, or maybe Africa in general, what are some of those angles you think we can be informed about or to be enlightened when it comes to nuclear energy? So that's actually a really great question. Well, I think, you know, the organization that Jerry leads uh, for the young people in Africa, especially in Nigeria, Jerry, you might have to jump in here and remind me what that's called. Oh, that's Nigerian Young Generation in Nuclear, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That is an excellent place to start. You know, there are many uh, universities in Nigeria and, of course, throughout the continent of Africa that have 
uh, not necessarily nuclear programs per se in their universities, but they have engineering departments, they have physics departments, um, and they have, you know, non-sector scientific departments such as political science and history that I think can help inform young people about the issues relating to nuclear weapons, nuclear security, and nuclear safety. So through Jerry's organization, through other kind of, you know, university engagements throughout the country and throughout the continent, it's a really really good way to kind of get the next generation, if you will, of these new nuclear experts to kind of get in tune with the dangers associated with nuclear weapons and kind of spread the word that, you know, we don't really need these things. Okay, you made mention of danger associated to nuclear weapons. What are some of these common dangers you think we can be aware of? Well, I mean, the danger really is the materials itself. It's the fact that, you know, God forbid if a weapon were to be used, you know, there's a lot that can happen. Um, We just have to refresh our memories and go back to the history books um, and look at the devastation and destruction that we saw with the bombings in Japan of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. You know, that was, what, 70 plus years ago, and that damage and devastation and destruction was within a matter of seconds, but it lasted, you know, the the lingering effects lasted a very long time. Now, as I said, that was 70-something years ago. That technology has been improved, has been modernized 70 years since. So, you know, I don't even want to think about the unspeakable damage that, you know, a, another nuclear attack could kind of, you know, um, could, could bestow upon a country, bestow upon a population. So it's not just the imminent attack. It's not just, you know, the actual fact that, you know, once the bomb is dropped, the devastation happened there and then. There are lingering lasting effects too with radiation exposure, you know, exposure to cancer. There's a lot of danger associated with nuclear weapons. Okay, uh, we are aware in some African countries some of these weapons are privileged to be smuggled through uh, porous borders across the globe, and uh, maybe some of these are militants using it in attacking government facilities and infrastructures. And what do you think can be done to dissuade the minds of those perpetrators against the nation? So that's a really good question, and honestly, it really does come down to kind of raising awareness about these issues. I mean, I think it's wonderful that, you know, Jerry is doing the Afro New podcast, because as we all know, not very many people know much about nuclear weapons. And so the more we can raise awareness about these issues, the more we can raise awareness about the dangers associated with these weapons and their materials, I think the more, and it's not necessarily a question of education, it's a question of like letting people know that the world possesses nuclear weapons. Only nine countries do, but it's just like, you know, why are we, the global kind of community, basically putting our safety, our security in the hands of like these nine countries that have nuclear weapons? It's not fair, it's not right, and so the more we can kind of, like I said, raise that awareness of these issues, the more we can get people kind of involved and kind of aware about it, and so that they kind of know what to look for and kind of what not to look for. Okay, talking about this awareness just the way we are doing right here on Armed Forces Radio. What other that means or medium you think more awareness can be created? So again, this is such a great question and I think this is part of the struggle that the nuclear policy community has. Um, you know, how do we create awareness? I don't think it's necessarily about scaring people. We don't necessarily want to fear people or shock people, but we just need to let people be aware of it. You know, even in countries that have nuclear weapons. So let me take the United States because this is where I live. Let me also take the United Kingdom because this is where I come from. Even those countries that have nuclear weapons 
Thailand, their own population, like I can hazard a guess and say like, you know, more than half of their own populations don't even know anything about nuclear weapons. So how do we make people aware of it? I really do think it starts, you know, at school. You know, we need to be, I mean, I kind of said it's not really got anything to do with education. I don't mean at the sense that the higher level education, you know, students right now, children are being exposed to climate change. They're being exposed to threats posed to the environment. Okay, yes, they can see it, they live through it, they feel it, but why are we not exposing our children to kind of the dangers posed by nuclear weapons? They should be aware of it. And I feel like the more people we can get to um, get, again, know about it, the better. We can also do like what Jerry and friends are doing with this Afri-New podcast. We're raising the awareness in, a, in, a, in, in you know, for an entire continent. You know, we've got to do kind of media stuff. You know, there's been some really great attempts here in America. I don't know if you have the show Madam Secretary in Nigeria. Um, it's a very great, good show. But for example, N Square was very involved in teaming up with um, an organization called the Hollywood Health and Society out of uh, the University of S- Southern California. They have like a journalism kind of film and dra- journalism school. N Square was able to kind of you know connect nuclear experts to kind of Hollywood screenwriters if you will mm. to help introduce the issue of nuclear weapons and kind of like mainstream TV shows okay. I'm not saying we should like go to Hollywood and create like you know a blockbuster about the you know the that we don't want to romanticize it we don't want to sensationalize it we don't want to make it fearful but I think the more exposure we can try to kind of raise with it you know whether it's through media whether it's through books whether it's through museums, whether it's through kind of art installations, the better we can kind of bring people along and have everyone have a better understanding of the dangers posed by nuclear weapons. Thank you very much, Dr. Sarah Kushes Fahane. We want to appreciate you, Director N Square DC Hub USA. We shall be opening a phone line to see if we can be able to get one or two calls to ask you one or two questions. But before them, I will be introducing Mbazo Jeremiah. President Nigeria Young Generation and Nuclear Host African Nuke Podcast right here now. Just hold on. If there's any question you have to react to, we'll be very glad if you can answer it. Uh, the program you're listening to is Salute Your Heroes on Armed Forces Radio 107.7 FM. It is a program that gives opportunity to appreciate members of the Armed Forces Federal Republic of Nigeria in the Nigerian Army, Nigerian Navy, and of course, the Nigerian Air Force. You can call 0802 600 7418. 0802-600-7418 is the number to call and you can text 0806-396-3643. You need a question to ask concerning nuclear security, feel free and call 0802-600-7418. Dr. Sarah Kushes Fahani is to write your live on True Zoom call in the program Salute Your Heroes. She is the director of N-Squared DC Hub USA. Okay, we are privileged to have uh, Mr. Mbazo Jeremiah. He's the president of Nigeria Young Generation, a nuclear host in the studio. You're highly welcome, sir. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm cool. Okay, what is Nigeria's position when it comes to ensuring nuclear security? Well, uh, thank you for that question. Very uh, nice question from you. Um, Nigeria's position is uh, very much um, in line with the Africa's position by being a party to the signature of the uh, uh, Pelindaba Treaty, uh, uh, the non-proliferation treaty that has been signed both in Africa and also internationally. So Nigeria is very much... um, uh, part of this um, um, 
uh, signature and they have, I think, um, ratified it as well. Okay, why is the youth involvement important for nuclear security? Oh, thank you so much, you know. Uh, when we talk about security in Nigeria and the common one we know that is happening in that we are currently grappling with is the the Boko Haram. And when you look at the age group of the people perpetrating this um, nefarious uh, act. mayhem or nefarious acts, as you said, are mostly people in their in their uh, in their in the youthful yeah, age group, right? So. And it's so important for us to um, get these people well informed and also also kind of try to make them know the effect or the outcome of uh, this kind of um, actions. And that's why we are a little bit more focused on the young people mm-hmm. because they are the energy, they are the real driver and the engine of the society that actually gets any decision you want to make to your action. So if we get them to act in the right way, then I think we don't have to worry much about the negative aspects. And the lastly, okay, we have a caller. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Hello. Oh, you can see call back, call 0802-600-7418 and salute your heroes. We are looking into nuclear security as the last segment of the program. You can see call 0802-600-7418. We'll have three more minutes before we call it a wrap on today's show. And lastly, uh, Mr. Jeremiah, your question, what is being done to sensitize our youth on the importance of nuclear? Before then, oh, we lost the call again. Can you react to that? Okay, thank you so much for that question. You know, uh, our being here is one of those um, uh, purpose of um, getting to sensitize Nigerians generally about the importance of nuclear technology. It's in our everyday life, but when it is now being used in a malicious way or with malicious intentions, it becomes very deleterious to our lives. So we are here to actually tell people about how good nuclear is to our lives and how bad it can become mm, mm. when we do use it in a okay, very negative way. You are saying now is a friend at the same time is an enemy. Yeah, we for sure. God, let me call him our friendly friendly me. Friendly. <laughs> nuclear is friendly me to humankind. Sure. Thank you very much, uh, Mister. Jeremiah for joining us on today's show. And uh, before we sign that, Dr. Sarah, I want to appreciate you if you're still there. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I did appreciate Jeremy's All right. Uh, it was really, really good. All right, less than uh, maybe 30 seconds was your message, especially for Nigerian military, appreciating the effort so far in security in Nigeria. I mean, just keep the keep up the good work that you're doing, and you know, make sure your borders are safe and secure against mm. kind of letting in these radioactive materials, and just yeah, and do uh, support whatever Jerry's doing with the young people of Nigeria because it's a really, really great cause, and it's a really thank great, you, you know, thank thing. you so so much. But, but one last thing, sorry, one last thing. It is the International Day of Peace today, so sure, you know, sure. it's great that you're hosting sure. us today. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Peace out. We appreciate you. Bye for now. And uh, from you, Jeremiah, last word before we go. Uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to give my last words. Uh, um, I'm so grateful for the time, and I hope that Nigerians will be well informed about the pros and cons of nuclear. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Of course, this is what we call it a wrap on today's show. Salute your heroes on Armed Forces Radio. Till we meet again next week, Tuesday, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Armed Forces Radio 107.7 FM. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs>